mean, I am not a writer full time for that reason, um, because I haven't been able to figure out how to make that sustainable simply because the the TV partnerships that I have with brands like that's my real bread and butter. Um, I do not write for free anymore. I used to for the same reason that you just explained. It is important to establish your authority in the space because there are so many writers out there and it's kind of like nowadays everybody's a writer. Everyone's an expert. So you really need to find ways to establish that base authority in, in your area of expertise. Welcome to become a media maven. I am excited for this episode. I speak with Trey Bodge in this episode. And Trey is somebody that I've known for years. Just, you know, off and on, we see each other around the internets in the media space. She has helped me with a few clients, landing them coverage in one of the many outlets that she contributes to. And as you'll hear, she's going to break down everything she does from online to print to TV. And she shares some really amazing, tangible tips when it comes to building a personal brand, getting media exposure, and especially becoming a freelancer in the media space. And there is a lot under that umbrella right now. So this is something that I think it will benefit any business owner. If you are a listener and you are in the PR space, this is a great behind the scenes look of how things work. And if you are, again, just somebody trying to build their personal brand, she shares some amazing strategies and, again, super tangible things that you can take with you and implement. So I hope you enjoy this episode with Trey Bosch. Ever wonder how some people seem to get a ton of media coverage and you don't? Welcome to Become a Media Maven, where TV reporter, host, and news contributor Christina Nicholson shares years of media experience to help you get the media attention you and your business deserve. And now, to help you master your media coverage, Christina Nicholson. Trey, welcome to the Become a Media Maven podcast. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to chat with you. I'm excited to chat with you. And for people listening on the podcast, you need to head over and watch on YouTube because Trey is so branded right now with the sign behind her that says, <laughs> happy shopping. <laughs> Trey, for people who don't know you, if they haven't read your work, if they haven't seen you on TV, explain what you do in your words. And then we're going to break it down because it is very unique. Sure. So it, it is a little bit unusual the way I work because I work on a couple different sides of the fence. Um, so I'm a smart shopping expert. And what that means is that I specialize in helping consumers save money on, on their shopping for their long and short term goals. I'm very much about, you know, living a, a penny pinching life, but doing so stylishly. I don't feel like you have to um, sacrifice much to live a, a fabulous life. And so that's kind of my my general brand. And I, uh, I do find that, you know, going very narrow with my specialty has really helped me grow in my career. And we can talk about that down the road in our conversation. But I, um, so with this sort of smart shopping expert moniker, I, uh, I do TV segments, I do podcasts like this, I do um, lots of IG lives, Facebook lives, I work with brands in a bunch of different ways. Um, and then I also write articles uh, that 
are also about saving money. So I write for a couple of different publications. I write for Millie, which is new from um, from Meredith. And, you know, it gets shipped with your Real Simple magazine. So that's fun. So I write for Millie and they have an online presence as well. I also write for the Grow blog, which lives on CNBC. And that's for Acorns, which is actually a... Um, a money-saving platform that I really love. And so I write for them. And then um, I write for my own site, which is truetray.com. And some of that content, or a lot of it these days, gets picked up by msn.com as well. So I'm, I'm a writer, but then I'm also a subject matter expert. I talk to a lot of reporters and give tips for their articles. And then I do TV and um, podcasts and radio interviews. So I'm kind of, I have my hands in a few different pots. And then kind of the last piece of it is because I do partner with brands, I often help brands on the back end with their strategy. So a brand may come to me originally to, to partner on a TV segment or hire me for a satellite media tour. And we can talk about that later about what that is. Um, but sometimes I kind of dip in on the other end and, and help them figure out like what, what kind of expectations should they have in terms of their media coverage and um, the good approach um, for reaching out to media these days because it's changed so much. So I, I kind of do a bunch of different things, but hopefully I do them all pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> well, and a lot of what you do, it all overlaps. Like when I think about what I do, I do things on both sides of the coin too, because mm -hmm. there is an overlap and it makes you better at one thing if you have experience in the other. And you mentioned Grow. I love Grow. My team recently got a client in Grow. They mm -hmm. have an app called Penny and it's all about financial literacy for millennials. Mm -hmm. And Grow is like I love the CNBC, the growth thing. Like they have the coolest story. So you definitely have to check that out. Yeah. Okay. A lot to unpack there. I want to talk about first, how did you become a freelance writer and grow to writing for all of these publications? Because right now specifically, I feel like it's harder to do because so many people are willing to write for free because it helps build their brand. You know, I mean, I wrote for free for Inc. Magazine for two years because I could turn around and say, look, I write for Inc. Magazine and that helped my credibility and authority. So how do you find these opportunities that pay you and that actually pay you something livable that makes sense, not like a penny a word? <laughs> Well, <laughs> that's that's a tricky one. I mean, I am not a writer full time for that reason, um, because I haven't been able to figure out how to make that sustainable simply because the the TV partnerships that I have with brands like that's my real bread and butter. Um, I do not write for free anymore. I used to for the same reason that you just explained. It is important to establish your authority in the space because there are so many writers out there and it's kind of like nowadays everybody's a writer. Everyone's an expert. So you really need to find ways to establish that base authority in, in your area of expertise. And so um, I, I got pretty lucky. I mean, I used to own a beauty company. Um, I don't even want to say how long ago because it's like, it dates me for sure. Um, but sort of after the market crash, the big one, um, I left my beauty brand that I founded with two partners and thought that I was going to go into corporate beauty working for Estee Lauder or L'Oreal. And I interviewed around and people were kind enough to see me, but they couldn't figure out what to do with me because I was an entrepreneur. And I, I had worn so many hats and I had managed PR and done copywriting for my brand. I had gone on QVC. I was, you know, so that I was kind of all over the place and they couldn't figure out where to put me. And, and I think that while it was frustrating for me at that time, it was actually a really good, um, 
a good thing that those folks saw that I couldn't see. And that's such a great business lesson, one of my favorite business lessons, that you may have your own ideas, but if lots of people around you are telling you something, you need to pay attention and get out of your own way. So um, I was fortunate enough to start writing for a site that my friend was the editorial director for, and that led to other things, kind of through friends. I mean, I have to say the majority of my work has has and still continues to come from my relationships. And so I started writing for a couple of different sites and then a friend said, hey, you know, Retail Me Not is this new coupon site and they're looking for someone to write a lot of content for their blog and it was exactly what I was already covering. And so I started writing for them quite a bit. And so I was, you know, essentially a freelance writer. I was doing copywriting and things like that as well. And then it turned out they started doing media and as the company grew and I was like, hey, I'm media trained. Can I help you with anything? And it turned out they were looking for a spokesperson. And so that's how I landed at Retail Me Not. And I ended up serving as their spokesperson for a few years before they had a pretty massive layoff. Um, but during that time, I wrote for them and that was part of my um, scope of work. And so it's kind of a circuitous route, but like after the layoff, I started writing again. Some I wrote for free, but just constantly looking for those little opportunities for paying jobs and talking to friends, seeing if they knew anybody, checking in with old editors who I'd written for before. Um, so I would say a very long-winded answer to your question, I apologize, but those relationships that you have and that you're making along the way are so important because any one relationship could lead to the next big opportunity for you. That's so true. And it sounds, it's like saying follow up. Like it just sounds like yeah. one of those things that's like so cliche and so not sexy. But when I think back of how I got certain clients to come to me or certain opportunities, mm -hmm. it, it literally starts with one person that makes an introduction to another person that makes it. And also something else, and, and you're very good at this, it's being vocal about what you're doing on social media because then people know what you're doing. So when something comes across their path, they can say, oh, Trey does this because I see her post about it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've gotten clients from people. I mean, I got a client a couple years ago from somebody who worked at a competing TV station that I worked at in 2008 to 2010 never even spoke to her. I think like when we saw each other in the field mm. and we were Facebook friends and she just knew what I did. And she, she knew somebody who needed my help and she sent them to me just because I was posting about what I was doing. Such a good point. And, and I also think like doing it in, in such a way that you're not um, constantly self-promoting. And I think the flip side of that is always thinking of other people as you go. You know, like you're promoting yourself, but also promote other people who you know and respect. And then that creates this lovely energy, this lovely circle. If you're spiritual or not, I really believe that you put that energy out there and you do someone a solid. And then they in turn think of you when a friend says to them, hey, I'm looking for a shopping expert. Do you know anyone? And you're the person who comes to mind because you were kind to them before. And so I think that's kind of like how we should do everything in our lives because something happens, something magical happens and it and it pays off for everybody. Now, I want to get to the TV thing. But first, I want to talk about niching down because that is so hard for people to do. My yeah. side hustle is Christina all day. It's a lifestyle blog. And it is not niched at all. I mean, I guess it's a little niched. It's like, 
I'm a working mom who doesn't feel guilty and I take, you know, all the time in the world to care for myself and read my books and have my baths and I don't care. Like, I'm cool with it. I guess if that's a niche, that's my niche on Christina all day. But you are super niched in the helping people save money shopping. Mm -hmm. So how did you, how did you niche down and how did you commit to that? Because that's a struggle for a lot of people. It really is. And um, working at Retail Me Not was so helpful for me in that way because we were really granular with what we did. Um, but I'm even more granular. And the reason why is when when I was laid off and then I was kind of like flying by the seat of my pants for a little while um, and I was trying to be a general lifestyle expert, obviously with the specialty of helping save people save money, but after a while, I discovered that that was even too broad. Like um, I used to cover a lot more parenting and also toys. And I love the toy industry. Going to the toy fair for me was one of my favorite things to do every year. And I would do segments on the floor. I you know, had fun relationships with lots of toy publicists. I was so into the innovation. And I had to make a really hard decision to stop covering toys. And that was probably uh, maybe three years ago and I had to turn down work because of that. And that was very painful, but I also felt like, let me really narrow my focus even more. And I have to tell you like that has paid off for me in spades um, because I wasn't trying to be everything for everyone. Um, I became like such so much more of a go-to for specific things that I really specialize in. And I, so I would strongly recommend niching down as much as you can because you can't be everything to everyone and you can't do everything well. And so if there's a way to really hone in on those things that you are good at, that you specialize in, that you can speak to with authority, that's where your sweet spot's gonna be. And then you make sure to share it with everyone and be consistent and pump out content and all of that stuff within that niche. And it also becomes more um, reasonable in terms of your work-life balance, right? So if like I was still covering toys, I'd have to be covering toy trends and toy fair and all the virtual events that are happening around toys. And so I would have like a 30% more work to do just to remain relevant in that space. And so by cleaning house a little bit and streamlining, I actually made it easier for myself to do the work that I wanted to do and do it well. And then how did the TV thing start? Because I guess we kind of became connected. Um, it was a mixture. You know, you, you we work together sometimes with clients, getting them not just in print, but on TV sometimes. So explain that, because I think that one, it's a little harder to break into for a couple of reasons. One, you obviously have to be good on camera. You you have to be conversational on camera. Um, but two, there's not as many opportunities because we're talking about TV. Um, it's different than, you know, an online article where there could be endless. Um, I guess, you know, there's maybe a little bit more because people are, are doing more video um, online. But mm -hmm. how did that whole thing start and grow to what it is today? Because you're on TV a lot. I mean, you go around to all the local markets. You're on Cheddar Inside Edition. Um, um, the third hour of GMA. So, so talk to me about how that started and grew. Sure. So, you know, I have to say, uh, with my time at Retail Me Not, again, that was a huge advantage for me because they had a large media budget. And 
coming from my own like independently owned bootstrapped business um it was like a whole new world oh my god like we can do all these things we have a pr agency we have an in-house pr team that i was a part of and we did integrations meaning you know we paid to to for airtime on steve harvey and in uh, extra and inside edition and so i created some relationships there that later were very helpful to me so um i definitely had a leg up there and i also learned about how the editorial calendar works in TV. And it's very similar. If you're pitching uh, your editors for different um, print publications, you you pitch producers in the same way. And you try to think of like, okay, this is my lane. How does my lane apply to Earth Day? How does my lane apply to Financial Literacy Month, Mother's Day, grads, Father's Day? And as you go around the edit editorial calendar. And so TV to me is very, very similar in that way that you have to be pitching consistently, following up consistently, um, remaining top of mind as a result. And, you know, TV is sometimes a very long game. Like, you know, the third hour of GMA is it's new. But I've been trying for national the whole time, you know, as a, as are so many of us. And national is kind of like a unicorn. You know, everybody wants it and does it really exist. It does exist, unlike a unicorn, obviously. <laughs> but it's very hard. It's like fitting yourself through an eye of a needle. It's, you know, and everybody wants it and everybody's clamoring for it. But it is an art uh, to appeal to producers to... Um, become that person that they're like, yes, I'm going to book her. Uh, I'm going to give this person a shot. Um, so the TV piece for me started a little bit at my beauty company and I did QVC for them and I was a spokesperson for the brand. And so we did some local TV, but Retail Me Not was really kind of my launch pad for TV. But when I was laid off, it was really a matter of how do I figure out now how to do this on my own? And, you know, I, I, I met with different managers. I was like, do I need a manager? Do I need an agent? Do I do this myself? Do I hire a PR firm? Like there was all of that. Um, and someone asked me a really interesting question at the very beginning of this, like, well, do you matter? You know, now that you're not the spokesperson of retail, me not, do you matter? And I thought to myself, yes, I do matter because I had a very important role in the success of retail me not. And so if, if that matters, then I matter. And I felt like I could just apply everything that I knew that I learned there to my own brand. And thankfully, I had enough trust and confidence in myself um, to move forward in that way. But it takes a lot of work and consistency to, to actually make it work. But like, you know, the third hour of GMA, that just started for me this year. And you know, now I'm I'm so fortunate to to go on every eight weeks, um, roughly for them. And then Inside Edition calls me when they need. You know, they I'm sort of like their home hacks person, which is kind of funny because it's not really on brand for me. Um, but I'm like, yeah, I'll you know I love hacks. I I can make that happen. Um, and then NBC Nightly News is you know I've become you know I'm on their list of of experts now. But that took a long time. And so I think it's really important for people to understand whether they're 
from a brand, if they're a subject matter expert or a social media personality or a publicist, like you need to be down for the long game. And I know that especially if you're a publicist, that's really hard because you have a client who's on retainer with you right now. And that client is giving you three months or six months to perform. And sometimes you need longer than that because you really need to dig in and commit to creating that relationship with that new producer, for instance, who you're who you're interested in connecting with. And I think that's the biggest struggle, just speaking from the PR agency owner side, is setting those expectations for clients and explaining to them, look, this is how it works. And a lot of times they don't want to hear it. They don't want it to really work like that because it's not immediately beneficial to them. But hey, it is what it is. So when you're sending out these pitches and you're reaching out over and over again, you know, like you mentioned, you do something here every eight weeks, you're on the list of the go-to people for this topic. Are you, before you get in, are you sending, first of all, who are you pitching? And are you just sending a new idea every month of like, hey, give me screen time. I can talk to you about this. Yeah. So for the most part, I I am pitching regularly um, to people uh, with whom I've had a working relationship and then, you know, trying to add people to my roster so I can broaden my bench. Um, And I do that very regularly. So like every month to six weeks, I'm sending out a few ideas. And like, I have to say one of the things that's been the most successful for me is not sending one idea, sending three ideas instead very concisely uh, described bullet points so it's easy on the eye. But if you come to a producer with one segment idea, he or she may already have that segment idea handled by another expert. So you give them nowhere to go. So giving multiple ideas is, to me, absolutely crucial. And then remembering to follow up and, you know, because you know, if you you get a thousand emails a week, you know, like every, any good producer does, you, maybe they missed your email. And so it's not that they're not interested. I think a lot of people sit there and think, oh, like poor me, they're not interested. It's like, no, they probably didn't even see your email. So if you check in and then, you know, I, something that I learned recently on Clubhouse, which I, I'm, I'm definitely going to put into practice, um, that producers were saying, like, when you follow up, add more value when you follow up, not just like, hey, um, did you get my email? But like, hey, wanted to get your thoughts about these ideas. And I also was thinking that this might be good for you. As time has passed, maybe you've gone from Earth Day to Financial Literacy Month, and that wasn't in your first pitch. So you add that. And I was, and I was, when I learned that, I was like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. And I'm totally going to do that. It's like one of those things where you're like, oh, that's so obvious. Why didn't I think of that? But none of us do it because we just have our canned follow-up email that we send, you know, every week, every two weeks. That's amazing. Now, when it comes to your TV segments, mm-hmm. they look a little different. I mean, sometimes they can just be a talk back. Sometimes you have like a whole setup in your house, right? So I guess it just depends on on what they're asking you to do and you're always ready. It does. I mean, I have to say before COVID, I kind of moved completely out of tabletop segments. Um, when I was at Retail Me Not, it was really more like talk back, talking head interviews. And then when I left, as, as I was kind of trying to please everybody and try everything, I got into products a little bit more. And then I kind of left that. And, and you know, there were a couple reasons that was part of me streamlining, finding my lane. Um, there's There's not a lot 
of competition in my specific space and my specific space doesn't require having products on the table and for instance like nbc nightly news they don't care about the products at all like they and they have very specific questions and i should kind of uh, circle back i mean go back a little bit to your your previous question with nbc nightly news like I can pitch them all day long, but they're probably not going to even take anything I send. Like they're just going to, they have ideas, they come to me, but sending them those pitches, even though I know that there's like a 99.9% .9 chance they're not going to take them. It's a reminder that I'm here and that I have something to offer and maybe it'll spark an idea, but quite often it's like they have their own agenda that, that they want to cover. So yeah, I mean, I, I've gotten a little bit more into products again through COVID. And I think um, that's, I think something important to talk about where um, if an opportunity presents itself, like to do your very best work, that goes miles, right? So like, okay, you know, I can shoot at my house. Like I have a generally, a, I have a decent eye for, for setup and things like that. You know, I invested in some things like right when COVID hit, I was like, I need a microphone. I need, you know, more stands for products just in case. Like, and it was a very nominal investment, like $10 here, $20 here. But like when GMA three came to me, like they're all products all the time. And they were like, can you do this setup in your house? And I was like, yes, I can. <laughs> and I work really hard on those setups. And like, I, because I know now what they like, like I work really hard and they always say to me, I'm so, we love having you because you try so hard and you make it look so good and you make it look so easy. And those are the things like, you know, the kind of the tenets of uh, doing well on TV really is like making the producer's job easy. Everything that you do from writing out the pitch as much as you can, like if you book a segment on a topic that you pitch, write out the whole segment for them questions, answers, you know, they may change their mind and move things around and put in their own spin, but you've literally just done the work for them. There are so many times where I've written a whole segment and the producer's like, yep, let's go with that. Thank you so much for <laughs> doing my job for me. Setting up everything so it looks amazing, checking the shot, taking a picture, making sure it looks good, making sure the lighting's good. All that stuff takes work off of their plate and any TV producer will tell you they are drowning every day. So if you make their job easier, they're, they're more likely to call you next time. Two questions. One, can you talk about the lead time that TV gives mm -hmm. you? And two, can you talk about payment and non-payment? Because a lot of mm -hmm. people think that you get paid. For example, if you're giving an interview on Nightly News, that Nightly News is paying you <laughs> to come on for two minutes and share your expertise. Th that's not how this works. Like you are not an actress getting paid for a role. So I want you to break down the lead time and how yeah. the payment works for things like these TV segments, because it can, it can run the gamut. Sure. And it can. And so lead time can also vary depending on the show. So I find that national shows, uh, like national lifestyle shows like today, Rachel Ray, uh, GMA, they work a little farther out. So you know, they may they may be looking or talking about Mother's Day right now or like late April into May, um, whereas local shows, it's too early to be talking about Mother's Day. So, you know, um, give national shows a little longer because they book earlier and then give local shows like. Two weeks, I'd say think about topics that like are going to be relevant in two weeks. That's kind of how I play it. So I pitch national a little longer, local a little shorter, 
But again, because I'm sending multiple pitches, especially with local, I'll give them something that's available like we could talk about next week and maybe two weeks down the road and maybe three weeks down the road. And then that way, if they've already got that first one done with another expert, then I the second one is a good possibility. Um, the payment thing is a whole tricky, murky thing, as you know. And um, so national shows, you are not allowed to be compensated pretty much across the board. There are a couple of exceptions, but for the most part, it is just off the table. And so as an on-air expert, if you're looking to make a living, national TV is not the way to do it. National TV is more like your calling card. It's part of your resume. It, it's, it, it makes, it creates an impression. So if brands are looking to work with you, um, and many brands don't understand this, but you know, they're, they, they're not, you're not gonna be able to get them on the Today Show. Like you're just not, and but they can partner with you on local TV, and so then local TV is a whole crazy mess too. So some shows want you to disclose, which is my preference. I want to just say like these are the brands I'm partnered with on this. Um, different experts function differently. Some experts like to pack their segments with all paid brands. I especially because I can do everything remotely and it's a little bit easier to do TV. Like I don't have that expectation so i can do segments where i have like one or two clients and i i say you know i've partnered with this brand on this and you know i can disclose in that way and then the other things are things that i love that i can just weave in brands that i want to help small businesses things like that and then there are satellite media tours which are more like you know 25 interviews at a pop out of you will know, used to be out of a studio now i do them from home but those are all paid and some of the stations are even paid to air the content and that's like a whole other area so that's like fully paid media and then national tv is like not paid media and then local is like a murky mix of of the two can you break down how satellite media tours work Sure. So satellite media tours are interesting because, um, you know, you're hired by the agency, typically by the satellite media tour agency. They're producing this tour. They want to do something about Mother's Day, for instance, and they've identified you potentially as the talent. Or if you're if you're an expert and you're looking for opportunities like this, you can reach out to satellite media tour agencies and, and let them know you're available, send them your reel, say, these are my areas of expertise. I'd be a great expert for Mother's Day. And, you know, so that's a good way to kind of engage um, with satellite media tour agencies. Um, you need to have some TV under your belt before you go to an agency and you should have a real, like, so you should have done, you know, several at least local segments before you go to a satellite media tour agency because satellite media tours are like running a marathon and I am not joking. Like it's, it's 20 interviews or 30 interviews somewhere in between. It's five hours straight. Some some of the, the interviews are radio, which is like, you can kind of relax a little bit, but it is a long game. And so you have to have stamina, you have to have 100% joy, you have to have total control over the, the talking points. And if it's an area in, that you're an expert in, which it, you ideally should be, you need to be able to handle an anchor who goes off script and asks you questions about uh, trends around Amazon Prime Day or whatever it may be. So I always try to look for satellite media tours that are like in my area of expertise so I can really, I can handle those questions. Um, so as the talent, you're paid a, a fee to do the tour. Um, sometimes there's an agreement where you, if you bring in a couple of client brands, you can make a little bit more as kind of a commission exchange. But something that is 
bothering me about satellite media tours right now is that a lot of the agencies are looking for ways to cut corners. And so they're bringing in less experienced um, talent. I actually just had a conversation with someone who the other day who's actually highly experienced but doesn't has not done satellite media tours and I was like please tell me what you're what they're paying you and I knew what she was going to say um they're 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 underpaying her to uh like a horrible degree and I'm like I was so furious to hear what they were offering her because this is like the longest hardest day you're going to have in a long time and you should be well compensated for it. And so I sort of in the background, I'm, I'm, I coach other experts to ask for more money. And maybe you take one or two at that lower rate and then you start bumping up your rates as you go because it is such a hard job and we should be well compensated for it. And so that's something else that I kind of do is like I'm, I talk to other experts and we trade information and you know, we talk about this stuff because it's totally not cool what these agencies are doing at the moment. Oh my gosh, it's it's making me think of of local news. Like it used to be when I was trying to get a job as a reporter, it was like, you were a reporter and you had a photographer. And then when it was time to go live, somebody would come with a live truck. And now it's like, you're the reporter and you're the photographer. And we're going to show you how to operate this new cool little live technology so you can go live yourself. And it's like, you really, I mean not just doing it all. And then, you know, if you can't even do all of that, then they're like, oh, well, we can just hire somebody to do all this for less. We don't care if you've had 20 years experience. This person who just was the runner up on The Bachelorette's really excited to take this job, you know? (laughs) So (laughs) that's the way it is. Doing all Uh, your own makeup and buying all your own clothes. uh, And yeah, that's, that's, that's happening in our industry and others, you know? So it's really important that we communicate and stick up for ourselves and for each other. So we don't end up, making so much less than we should. And I hope the big takeaway, I mean, you, you gave some great advice, but I hope through listening, like people heard you are not just like the freelance writer and the TV host, you are doing your own sales. You are doing your own marketing. You are doing your own, um, client deliverables. Like it's not again, like working in, t- in in TV news. It's not what it looks like on TV people. There is, that's like 5% of it. The 95% is behind the scenes and it's a lot of work. And I think you did a great job breaking that down. Is there anything else you want to add that I should have asked? I should note that I will link to your blog and your social media handles so people can find out more about you. Um, but is there anything else that we should have mentioned that we haven't touched on yet? Um, the only thing I would mention is I, I do actually have a little side hustle that I that I'm that makes me happy is I'm a media coach. And so there are a lot of people out there who want to get into this industry and, you know, they think, oh, I'll just book a, a segment of my local station and wing it. I, I would I would uh, strongly suggest <laughs> that you get some media coaching first. I mean, as you know, Christina, it's like you can't just go on air and be good on air. There's a lot to know. And so that's something that I do on on the side that's fun for me is to share information, help, you know, especially because we're doing a lot of TV from home, helping people set up their shot. Like, let me help you with your lighting. Let's find a good place in your house. Like, let's talk about, you know, hair and makeup even. Like, you know, what kind of news do you want to do and how sh- how should you present yourself for those opportunities and talking points and prepping and what to do when you have technical difficulties and all that kind of stuff. So that's something fun that I really enjoy doing. I have a, a site called um, onetakemedia.biz and we have 
you know, several different courses. There's one that I've been teaching more frequently now, which is called the Broadcast Bootcamp, which is like one hour one-on-one -on, -one on Skype or Zoom. And like we address, I address all your questions and it's not an online course. It's like me, you talking about your pain points, your concerns, an upcoming project, what have you. But that's the other thing that I would just say um, in general and in, in, in keeping with that is ask for help. You know, if you get really nervous on camera and you don't feel like you can do that, take that opportunity and run with it and do well, then maybe you need a media coach. Or are you terrible with numbers? Do you then use invoicing software or hire a virtual assistant to manage your blog or hire someone to keep you on task on Instagram? We can't be everything. We can't do everything, especially if you're a parent. I know you're a mom, I'm a mom. There's only so much time in the day and you can't do everything well. And so I'm a strong proponent of hiring out or delegating, finding help for the things that you aren't good at. And, and then you can do the things that you're really good at and focus and that's where your bread and butter is. So why would you be spending, you know, every night sitting there in front of, you know, generating invoices when you're terrible at that? So that's kind of, I'd love to leave you, your listeners with that is like, it's okay to ask for help and delegate. And yes, you might have to pay for it. And I can't tell you how much I've been able to grow my business by paying other people to do a couple things for me. I, my business grew 35% last year. And I'm pretty sure that that's because I allowed other people to handle a lot of the stuff that was really time consuming for me. And then I could focus on the things that really mattered for my business. That's great advice. And I am going to link to onetakemedia.biz in the show notes for this episode. And that is super important because a lot of these gigs are live. Very rarely, especially <laughs> when you're talking about local news, very rarely have I ever recorded one. And if I, I think I recorded one mm -hmm. and it was because breaking news happened. So they went live to that and they're like, all right, let's just record this and we'll air it tomorrow. So like, this isn't like you get to go and wing it. And if you make a mistake, you can start mm -hmm. that part over. Like, no people, this is live. It is live. And and, you know, I, I would be happy to offer your listeners 20% off the broadcast boot camp okay. if they're interested in that. Um, just mention the podcast and where you heard me and happy to offer that because it's it's something that I love to do. And I'd be happy to help anybody who is interested in getting more comfortable on TV and tackling those nerves and, you know, all how to prep and all that good stuff that you really should know, because you don't want to learn that on the fly. You don't want to make mistakes as you go with TV because you won't be invited back if you're not ready. You know, if you're not ready for prime time, you're not going on again. Yeah, exactly. Okay. That's very nice of you, Trey. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. That was amazing. You can get all of that information and more that Trey mentioned in the show notes for this episode. You can access them wherever you're listening to this podcast and at becomeamediamaven.com. Thank you so much for listening. Next week, I am speaking with JJ Ramberg. JJ is a former TV anchor for MSNBC. She hosted a show about entrepreneurship for 13 years. And she's going to talk to us about how while she was working that job, she created a tech company. And she recently, just in the last year, launched something called Good Pods. Good Pods is an app that you should probably download right now since you are listening to this podcast. It's like the Goodreads for podcasts. So if you want to see what your friends are listening to and what they're saying about it, 
then you can hop on Good Pods, connect with all of your friends, and see all of that information. And some of the biggest names, like, in the world are using Good Pods. Kim Kardashian, Alyssa Milano, Katie Couric, all those fancy schmancy people. So you're going to hear more from JJ about how she created a tech company with no tech background. I can relate. I did the same thing with Podcast Clout in the last year. No tech background. Don't know anything about coding, about software, and... I created and launched podcast, and she's going to kind of tell you how she did it on her end. So that is coming up next week. If you haven't already, tap that subscribe button and leave this podcast an honest rating or review so you can let Apple know that you're here and you're listening and you like it. I would appreciate it. And I will see you again next week on another episode of Become a Media Maven.